Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Raquel's mother, Ines Abed, Alea Shalom. Shh. Ines Bat Badie. Right? Sponsored by Raquel and Jacob Ini. Azaku Baruch. Breakfast in the Class sponsored by Abraham Nahamayas in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Farhi, Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi, Hazan Shmuel Levi, and Haron Shohat. Breakfast in the class dedicated in loving memory Sponsored by Charles Darwish Breakfast in the class is also sponsored by Allah Draw in honor of the new year And wishing the Kahala Shana Toba For success in everything And uh, breakfast in the class is sponsored by David Eash In honor of you And your substantial capacity To do good today And every day also in Refuah Shilema for Rachamim Hai Ben Shoshana, who we all miss dearly and we wish uh, complete recovery uh, and, and uh, to welcome him back into the welcome embrace of the shul uh, when he comes back to us very, very soon. Amen. Okay, Rabotai, I want to start with something that is in perhaps the opposite of what you might think at first glance. We have two Pesukim that we all know very, very well. And there's a reason why we know them very, very well. Because we say them repetitively. And I don't just mean a little repetitively. I mean repetitively to the highest levels. Which pasuk do we say repetitively to the highest level? Uh, that's good. I'm talking about one after the next, after the next, after the next. Which one? Which I'm not giving you any clues. You got to guess it yourself. What do you think this is? Blues clues? What? That's a good guess. Good guess, but there's one that we say much more than that. I'm not giving you any clues, Sammy. A pasuk that we say repetitively. No, same pasuk. Again and again. That's a good guess. He got that one. But more, this one's more than that. That's not repetitively again and again and again. It, there's a lot of different things in between. But it's the things in between. The hint is, it's said once a month. Not Rosh Chodesh. Birkata Levana. We're almost there. So we say twelve times, right? But we say seven times in a row every month. It's eighty-four times. Okay, that's wild. So it seems like that's a pasuk that needs to be repeated again and again and again and again to get into our hearts. There's another pasuk that we say repetitively. But just not in terms of our minhag, but because of the song that's, uh, that it's attached to it. Right, they sing it on Simchat Torah, on the holidays, again and again and again and again. Both of those pesukim talk about one object. And I noticed something in the writings of Rav Brudni. I wrote, wrote, noticed something unbelievable. He writes that the reason why we say Lev Tahor so, uh, uh, so, so often, the reason why we say again and again, it appears on every Shabbat, on every holiday, is because a person who's asking for a pure heart obviously does not have one. And I have never thought of that when I said the Pasuk. Every time you think of the Pasuk, you're thinking about a pure heart. You're not thinking about the fact that if you have to ask God, like David HaMelech says, 
Lev tohor birali Elohim, create for me. It means that the one that I have is defective. It's not tahor. Now, although that seems to me, maybe perhaps, a, uh, a uh, upsetting idea, that our hearts are impure, in fact, it is the most beautiful idea of all. It means that a person with an impure heart is still capable of reaching out to Borei Olam, is still capable of remaking him or herself. They're capable of purifying themselves. What a magnificent idea. Now, if this is the case, then I think we learn something very, very beautiful, I think, about ourselves. And that is that when a person approaches Yom Kippur, what we're looking for, we're trying to find oftentimes is a road or a place or an opportunity to be able to become pure once again. And Achachamim explained to us something magnificent. We've talked about this idea many times in the past. That when HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked the Jewish people to build a Mishkan and to build a temple, what he was asking was actually not that we erect a building. He was not asking us to build a place. In fact, as I pointed out then, we, uh, in fact, we have lived as a Jewish people for far longer without a Beit HaMikdash than we have lived as a people with it. And God, knowing that, dedicates such a huge proportion of the Torah to the Beit HaMikdash, to the service of the Beit HaMikdash. Think about it. So that for the vast majority of Jewish history, the Korbanot were irrelevant. The Beit HaMikdash is irrelevant. The Mishkan is irrelevant. So could you imagine not having Terumah, Tetzaveh, parts of Kitisa, Vayakel, not having Pikudeh, not having Osef and Vayikra, not having the Parsh. It's amazing. It's such a huge part of the Torah. And our rabbis teach us that a big part of that is because, as you mentioned, but even more explicitly, the Gemara says, the Gemara says on those words, so should you do, so should you build, for all generations. That means that the construction of the Beit HaMikdash was really the Torah's ideal blueprint and construction for the inner worlds and the inner dimensions of every human being. And if that is the case, my friends, then we are reading and we're thinking about something in these days which is magnificent. And that is, we know that coming up on Yom Kippur, we read about the Avodah. And for many people, that part of the prayers, we read the Avodah and you're flying through it. Oh, what is this, a history lesson? Kohen did this, Kohen did that, Kohen did this, Kohen did that. Why is that relevant to me? The Kohen's not doing that today. He did it a long time ago. But the answer is, the Kohen is doing that today. And the Kohen Gadol is going into Kodesh Kodashim today. Except it's not the Kohen Gadol, it's you. And except it's not the Kodesh Kodashim and Beit HaMikdash, it's the holiest place within the Jewish persona, within the Jewish psyche. On Yom Kippur, we are a Kohen Gadol entering into a place which is so pure that it cannot fathom and it cannot sanction, it cannot allow the tiniest measure of impurity in its midst. So much so that if the Kohen Gadol had any sin whatsoever, if he was impure, he would go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim and this once a year uh, opportunity, and the once a year opportunity became for him, Rahman al-Islan, a once in a lifetime opportunity. And his friends, the Kohanim, they had to drag his dead body out of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. 
Now this was such a real possibility that the Kohen Gadol, the Gemara says, would go into the Beit HaMikdash with a rope wrapped around his waist because of the high likelihood. <laughs> no insurance company would take those odds. The guy would moot on the spot and they would have to pull him out because they couldn't go in themselves. You understand the, the, the conundrum here? And in fact, in the second Beit HaMikdash, where you had Kohanim Gedolim, when there was terrible corruption amongst the leadership, if anyone understands what was going on then, at that time they would sell Kohen Gadol to the highest bidder. And the guy would walk around the whole year looking like an absolute Don, like you know with the Big Deke had the highest honor, highest priest in the land, and then what would happen? Come Yom Kippur, the guy wasn't ready, he wasn't appropriate, and the guy would die. First of all, again, you see in that Gemara, the clarion call, the, excuse me, the siren call of honor. How someone could be so persuaded, seduced by the honor, that he knows that at the end of the year, he has a death sentence. Someone once said something very similar about the presidency. And you think about an idea that you build, and you could build your whole life to go into the White House. And after four years, what, are you, what kind of job could you get after you were the president? You're going to go flip burgers at McDonald's? Most presidents, they never have another job for the rest of their life. Because how could you do anything else? Some of them don't need one. Because they can go and give speeches. I, I have my sincerest condolences to Joe Biden after his presidency. But either way, Rabotai, maybe they'll have good teleprompters. Okay? Now I want to explain. I want to explain because I think this is so important. This is so important. Okay? I think for everybody. What does it mean to become a Kohen Gadol? What does it mean to find your innermost Kodesh Kodashim? What does it mean? If we're saying V'taher Libenu, as we just understood from the writings of Rabbi Brudni, if we're saying V'taher Libenu, means we have an impure heart. If we say Lev Tor Bra'alehuhim, we mean that the one that I've got is because I'm asking him to make me a new one. What do we mean? Sorry? It's not Bara. It's Bira. With a, with a, yeah, absolutely, go look it up. Lev Tor Birali. It's not Bara. If it would be Bara, you'd be right. Bira is with a, with a Sheva. Ruach Nachon Chadesh Bikirbi. He's asking for a whole new, he's asking literally God to replace his whole insides. So what's going on there? And this is a remarkable understanding, my friends. I want to share with you a beautiful idea. The Gemara says in the name of Rabbi Kruspidai, who had possibly the coolest name of all of the uh, Chachamim. Hey, what's up? What's your name? Moshe? No. Ezra? No. Yitzchak? No. Avram? No. Kruspidai. Come on. No one ever mixed him up with anybody. I imagine him at his chuppah. The rabbis like with the ketubah. They're like, how in the world do you spell Kruspidai? Anyway, that's his name. He says one of the most important things that you could ever imagine. Famous, by the way. He is the one that teaches us that on Rosh Hashanah, there's three books open. Sefer Tzadikim, Sefer Benonim, Sefer Rishayim. Tzadikim, you get written in, you're written immediately to life, Rosh Hashanah. Rishayim, immediately on Rosh Hashanah, written in the book of death, Kalas. But then there's a book of the Benonim. And what happens to everybody else that's not this or that? Says the Gemara. They wait, they hang, and they wait. They hang, and they wait. Tiluyim ve'omdim. We wait to see. Do they do teshuvah? If yes, good. They get written in the book of the Sadiqim, in the book of life. 
If not, the book of death. This is the Gemara. It's a very scary thing. I remember reading from Rav Pincus, I believe. He wrote something magnificent. He said the word that the Gemara uses is very instructive. Tiluim v'omdim. You know how you should feel from Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? You should feel like there's a rope around your neck and you're standing on the box. You know, right? In the execution. And then if the guy comes and kicks the box away, chalas, you're already hanging. Tiluim v'omdim. Could you imagine that, that energy, that stress, that desire to save yourself? That's how a person should feel. I said to Mitzvah that he needs to save himself. That's why we go crazy. We're strict on everything. We, you know, we go. We, it says we pay every debt that we have. It says that we make we only eat halab Israel, even if you don't normally eat that. You eat only bishul, only glakosha, even if you don't normally eat glakosha. Do everything, go above and beyond for these ten days, so that Akadosh Baruch they don't kick the box. Okay, listen to this, and then they write him in the book of the tzaddikim or the rishaim. The best question I ever saw in this Gemara is, hold up. That means on Rosh Hashanah, they write you in the book of the Tzadikim, or the book of the Rishayim. After Yom Kippur, they write you in what book? Or the book of the Tzadikim, or the book of the, of the, of the Rishayim. What the heck is the purpose, therefore, of the book of the Benonim? No one ever gets written in there. There's an empty book sitting there, and they don't write anything in it. Because in the end of the day, you can only be one or the other. Chalas. What is the purpose of the book of the Sefer of the Benonim. Many answers to this question. I want to give you one answer that I believe in, the, in my heart of hearts, in my impure heart of impure hearts. <laughs> the Gemara in Kiddushin says, and it's quoted by Harambam, the Gemara says as follows, Le'olam, forever, always, eternally, a person should see themselves as chetziav chayav chetziav zakai. He should see himself as partially worthy, partially unworthy. 50-50. He's not a sadiq, he's not a rasha. One mitzvah, machriya et akaf, it tilts the scale to zechut, to life. Not only that, says the Gemara, he should see himself and the whole world as half Worthy, half not worthy, exactly even, 50-50. And one mitzvah tilts the scale to the good. So your deed today, your mitzvah today, your dollar of tzedakah, your tefillah, your Torah, whatever it is, not only could it change your life to a, a life of life, but it could change the entire world. A flood that was supposed to come could be averted, a tornado, a war, whatever. You could influence the, the outcome of the entire world with your one mitzvah. This is the Gemara. I thought to myself, that's why there's a book of Benonim. If you have to believe that you're a Benoni, but you go up and you see that there is no book for Benoni, on Rosh Hashanah, your neshama is judged and it sees there's only a book of Tzadikim and a book of Rishayim. How could my soul, how could my heart ever believe that I was a Benoni? There's no place for a Benoni. There's no book of Benonim. So God holds open a book that nothing gets written in. Because every person has to see themselves as that book, even though there's not a name in it. And then you get to decide with your one action, which book am I actually going to be in? Because I stand at the moment, there's a pen poised 
over the page, but God never writes it because you do one deed one way or one deed another way. And the beauty of this is that there's not a split second in this world which is not either an avon or a mitzvah. Let me prove my point. You go to bed, you look at your watch, you say to yourself, ah, I'm very tired. I want to go to bed. You went to sleep, what'd you do? Nothing. You wasted an opportunity. You looked at your watch, you said, what time is it? 12 o'clock. What time is Selichot tomorrow? 5.45. 7 a.m. I better go to sleep now. What'd you do? You had five hours and 45 minutes or seven hours of mitzvot. Because you slept for Selichot. Do you understand that? We all sat here now and we had breakfast. Why'd you eat breakfast? You ate breakfast because you were hungry, hungry and the sambusak was saying, Shlomo, eat me. If that's why you ate the sambusak. So you, you were a slave to your own, you were a person who was living the life of an animal. Animals also have food called their names and they like to eat. What motivates, what animates our actions, our day, our decisions? So a person is perpetually supposed to see themselves as in the state of Benoni, where if I did one thing, you know, I would be able to tip myself, not just into the book of Tzadikim, that where Hashem writes me in the book of life. I always wondered, why isn't it just not called Sefer Achaim? Why does it have to be called Sefer Tzadikim? Sefer, right? Kotvenu b'sefer, Yisharim mutmimim. It's all the same book, by the way. Yisharim, Tmimim, Tzadikim, what? Why do we have so many names for it? Hayim Tobim, Parnasah. By the way, all one book. There's not like 74 different books. You know, it's just a matter of how big Hashem writes your name. How many lines does He use to write your name? Is it just barely getting by in tiny letters life? Or is it getting by living, like they say, living large? <laughs> okay, how big are they writing your name? What are they using? Permanent marker? <laughs> you understand? So why do we give it so many names? And the answer is because some people's entry card into the book of life is the fact that they were Sadiq. Some people's entry card into the book of life is that they are Yashar. They're straight. They're honest. They have integrity. Some people's entry point into the book of life is their Timimut. The fact that they have such rock solid emunah, like the Pasuk says, Tamim Imashem You should be whole with God. Don't rely on any other force, on any other medium. Don't look into the future. Only trust that everything that God does is going to be fine. There was once a rabbi who met uh, many, many people during the crash in 2008, and everyone's going crazy. Who knows what's going to be? My investments, my investments, my investments, the market, the market, the market. And he sees one guy, and the guy is sitting there very relaxed. So he walks up to this man and he says, tell me, well, everyone else over here, all the traders, everyone's losing their minds, and you're sitting here putting on your tefillin, relaxed, chill as a cucumber. Don't you know what's happening today? And the man turned to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, I learned a long time ago that nothing is happening today. It already happened. On Rosh Hashanah. So whatever's happening today is already, was already written. And it's not going to change because I went crazy or I didn't go crazy. It's up to Borei Olam and if he wants to save me, he will. And if he doesn't want to, he won't. Me going crazy is not going to do anything. But it's not happening today. That person is a person that gets written in the book of life. Why? Because 
כתבנו, כתבינן, אור, כותבנו בספר, ישרים ותמימים. It's his תמימות that gets him into the book of life. So רבותיי, we can look to God and say, my heart is not a pure heart. You know why? Because I see myself as a benoni. It has elements of tahara, also has elements of tum'ah. So God, please, ruach nachon chadesh bikirbi, have this spirit of, uh, of correctness flow through my veins. Let me want to do more. Let me tilt my heart into, uh, into the right realm. That is the job during this period of time. So think to yourself, if you are the Kohen Gadol and you're entering into this time on Yom Kippur, this moment of Kodesh Kodeshim where you have to find a part of yourself that is completely pure, which part of yourself is that going to be? Is it your Yesharim? Is it your Timimim? Is it your Sadiqim? Is it your Tzedakah, your Torah? Find a part which is completely pure. Work on a part which is completely pure. And then you can come towards that place within yourself, this Kodesh HaKodeshim, and do the Avodah of Yom HaKippurim and Be'ezrat Hashem be written for a beautiful life, a life full of only Beracha, coming with your pure heart that you've, so to speak, worked towards creating, entering into this purest space, if only but for a moment, on the holiest day of the year. Baruch Admei Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.